Happy Monday and welcome to another episode of the Equestrian Performance Mindset Podcast. I am Jocelyn Liliano, I'm an event writer and mindset coach and of course also your host for this podcast. And I am absolutely thrilled that you decided to tune in today because together we are going to make sure that you start making strides in your mindset so you can truly make strides in your riding. Happy Monday. As always, I'm here to make sure that you get off to a great start of this week. If you're new to the podcast and our community, make sure you give this show a follow so that you don't miss out on any of our future episodes filled with valuable tips on mindset and performance for you as an equestrian. And today... I have the honor to introduce you to one of my biggest idols in the sport, a woman who stands for individuality, daring to defy the norm, and channeling your confidence by making and owning up to your own choices. She has a long list of achievements in the sport of show jumping, and to mention just a few of them, she competed in her very first Grand Prix at the age of 16 and won both individual and team gold medals in the North American Young Rider Championships that same year. She has presented Israel at both the European Championships several times and at the World Equestrian Games. At the European Championships, she has placed 21st and later also 9th overall, being the only female athlete in the top 12. For several years, she's been part of the Global Champions League team where she has won the Longliness Grand Prix. And in 2019, she was part of the Israel's four rider squad qualified and later represented Israel and the Olympic Games in Tokyo. Apart from this, she's famous for fashion and for wearing about 3,000 feathers in her hair. Let me introduce you to Danny G. Waldman, also known as Danny Starwin, or her amazing nickname, Flying Feathers. Super, super welcome to the show, Danny. I'm so thrilled to have you on the show today. Uh, really excited about this conversation. Before we dive into all the different topics we got lined up, maybe tell the people who don't quite know you. I mean, a lot of equestrians do know you, but uh, maybe tell the people that don't really know you um, what you are, uh, who you are, what you stand for, all those kind of stuff. That's a big question. I know. Um, hi, everyone. I know. Hi, everyone. <laughs> I'm Danny Waldman. Um, sometimes they call me flying feathers because <laughs> I got a lot of feathers in my hair. But yeah, um, yeah I'm a former Olympian. Uh, I was a show jumper. I retired about a year ago from international competition. But uh, yeah, I was in the sport for 30 years and... I uh, I was always a little bit different than my fellow riders, I think, because uh, I just have a bit of a quirky personality and I dressed a little bit differently and I was a bit more outspoken than some of the fellow riders in our relatively conservative world of show yeah. jumping or of yeah. any equestrian sport. Mm -hmm. um, so I had a, a bigger personality than maybe most <laughs> riders have. But uh, yeah, I think for me, it was all about just kind of trying to be authentic to who I was and, you know, put a little bit outwardly how I felt on the inside. And that came through fashion and being, you know, thinking of myself as very equal to all the boys out there and kind of kicking butt when I was riding. And uh, I tried to do that in my personal life and my appearance as well. I love that. And that's obviously a big part of what we're going to talk about today. And the reason why I, I was so amazed to have you on the show as well. Flying feathers. So what's that all about? 
<laughs> that's always the first question right I know, why do I have I know. feathers in my hair this like a million times but just for the no, people like they, it, can't, they, can't, they can't see you either it's podcast right so so yeah. maybe for the people who don't know I th- you have like 500 feathers something like that in your hair no I have 3,000 feathers 3,000 yes yeah. so basically all right we'll start in the beginning I always from like day one of childhood even was like someone who experimented with my image and my look and was always trying out different styles and that came a lot through hairstyle so like all through my younger years and even high school and college I was always like changing my hairstyle from short hair long hair bangs red hair blonde hair brunette you know I was always changing and then at one point, right when I kind of started doing the Global Champions Tour and, and the higher levels, I had pink hair and then I had blue hair and then I like chopped it all off and got bangs and dyed it brown and would walk around and no one would even know it was me. <laughs> so I was like, like, you know, that shock factor of changing it up. And then I was at one point trying to figure out something that was a little bit different. And honestly, the the dying of the hair is like so terrible for your hair because you like yeah. to bleach it. And so I was like trying to think of something that I could do that was fun and different and like express some form of individuality that wasn't just dyeing my hair a different color. I was laying in bed next to my husband and I was looking at a picture of a girl and I saw her with like a single feather in her hair. And I was like, what if I did a feather? And I turned to my husband and he was like, what if you did all feathers? So I have to give him the credit because it was kind of his idea. But then I sort of started looking and I had an idea in my head and I was like, oh, I know exactly what I can do. And it was like this sort of burst of creative thought that I had and it started with like 250 small little feathers in my hair. And then it like over time morphed into what it is today, which is like 3000 feathers. And I make all the extensions by hand. And then I like bring them to the salon and they put them in. And it's like this whole big process. And every three months or so, I change the color scheme and I make a whole new set. And it takes like 50 hours to make them and five hours at the salon to put them in. But it's become like so much of, you know, how I express myself and I change the colors depending on whether I see something that inspires me or seasonally. I just, yeah, I go off of different things and uh, now it's just sort of part of who I am. And yeah, I don't know. And then they decided to call me flying feathers. I think because when I was riding, they were like out the back of my helmet and it, and it looked like this kind of Phoenix going around. Yeah. Someone started calling me flying feathers and then I thought, Oh, that's perfect. And so, yeah, that's how it kind of came about. And now, I mean, honestly, for me, it's about fashion and beauty. And I think it's always great to try to put some beauty out into the world. And for me, it feels like a little bit of a walking art piece. And so that's why I continue to do it. I love that. But am I right saying it also stands for like so much more than that? I was having a read on your website and and you know, I, I almost want to read this quote, but I, you know, what, what came from your website because I read it and I, I thought it was so amazing. So this is what it says on, on Danny's website. I want to inspire and motivate people to live the flying feathers lifestyle. It's about truly finding and accepting yourself for who you are. It's about being brave and having the courage to step out into the world and own your identity. Be who you want to be without hesitation, without fear. Learn to embrace and accept your imperfections and let your inner feathers fly. Do what brings you confidence, wear what brings you confidence, embrace your own wackiness and let the acceptance bring you confidence. Don't do what others tell you to do just because that's the norm. Walk your own path. If everyone else is doing it, do the opposite. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, basically, that's how I try to live my life. 
<laughs> I love this. Did you want to explain this in a little bit more detail? Sure. You know, I think the best way to describe it is there was one time I was looking in the mirror and I was getting ready for like a, a horse show and I was getting dressed and I had like traditional riding clothes on and I was like, ugh, this is like not, I don't feel good about myself. And I, and I looked in the mirror and I thought, I don't want to go out into the world like this. This is not, you know, what makes me feel good. So I change and I put on something that was sort of non-traditional and it was like yoga clothes and, and totally different than what normal riders would wear. But I put it on and looked in the mirror and I kind of turned to the side and I thought, now this is, this feels like me. This feels good. I was like, I think I look like hot shit. I'm going to walk out there, you know, and try to just own that. And it, and it came from that sort of feeling of, you, you have to make some bold choices in your life, or at least I always felt like I needed to make some bold choices. And when you feel like yourself and you like kind of look in the mirror and you say, yeah, this is really me. This is how I feel good. You know, when, when you look in the mirror and you think I look like hot shit, then normally you kind of are. And I think it was that idea of then walking out there and just sort of owning that feeling of like, I do look good. I do feel good in my own skin. And it doesn't really matter what anyone else thinks. Like maybe they hate what I'm wearing, but I feel good. And therefore that kind of feeling can carry through in everything in your life. And that's very much like where it came from. And that is so much how I've lived the majority of my, you know, since I sort of had that moment where I was like, all right, this is how I want to put myself into the world. And I know that it's not necessarily going to be for everybody. And I know that there's fear around doing something that's sort of different. But I felt so much better about myself that then I was able to really like carry that through in how I performed, how I carried myself, even just walking around the show or walking around the barn, you know, and then that sort of translated into how I rode and all different elements of confidence in my life. So it was very much about sort of living that lifestyle and owning your own truth of what makes you feel good inside. And then that's kind of where it came from. I love that. And I, I couldn't agree more. Obviously, I teach writers a lot about confidence. I help them build their confidence. And I always say, like, the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. So you can find totally. something to hang on to in terms of something that gives you confidence. And then that sort of spirals into different aspects of your life. So it's not that you can just center on only your writing. When I start working with people, we talk about like everything in their lives because it all sort of. It's yeah, all connected. It's all connected. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. I'll say like when you came up with this idea, has, has it always been the case that you feel really confident when you're doing your own thing, when you're dressing in your own way? Like, have you always been like that? You know, it's funny. I get asked this question a lot of like, do you think it's inherent? Do you think it's something learned? I think it's a, a bit of both, honestly. I think I was always that like kind of left of center mm -hmm. kid. And I, you know what I mean? Like I always, even when I was a little girl, my mom said there was like a two week period or three week period where I would only wear the tink like a Tinkerbell tutu and she had to wash it every single night because I like refused to wear anything else. So I think inherently there's always been a part of me that was like, you know, fuck it, I'm just going to do what I want to do. And like, I think I look like hot shit. So I'm going to wear that, you know, whether or not I should be wearing a tutu, you know, 24 seven, I don't know. But I, so I think some of it just came inherently but I do think that there is an element of gaining confidence and being able to learn it a little bit because it takes a little bit of a leap of faith where you have to kind of jump off that ledge, you know, metaphorically of like, okay, I'm going to walk out of the house in this outfit 
because I feel good about it, even though I have no idea what the reaction is going to be. So it does take a little bit of that building it. And, you know, confidence also comes a little bit from feedback that you get from people. So a lot like with me, sometimes where like if I think if I wore that tutu, half the people maybe would look at me and go like, what this crazy kid, like, what is she doing? But the other half would look at you and say like, wow, like how amazing that she was brave enough to try that regardless of, you know, being fearful of what someone might say. And then you get the positive feedback of like, oh, you look awesome. You know, I'll still wear a tutu when I walk down the street. So, and then people will like clap and applaud and be like, yes, it's awesome. So sometimes confidence comes a little bit from that feedback, but you get that positive feedback, which then kind of feeds into the confidence by taking that leap of faith. And I think that's where, you know, it can be learned. It can be a learned behavior where it doesn't have to come necessarily inherently from within. It can be the moment of choice when you say, okay, I'm going to consciously choose to do something that is outside the norm, that is bold, that is unlike things I normally do and and just try to own it and say like okay i'm going to i'm going to do it and i think it also comes from the idea that you can make choices that aren't you know necessarily that don't work out but then owning up to those choices and being like you know sometimes i'll put on something i mean i'm using fashion as an example it's not only about fashion but sometimes i'll put on something that isn't really working and but like owning it and someone being like, oh, you know, I, and like getting a dirty look about it. And you could be like, yeah, I know it looks like shit, but I did it anyway. Like that also can give you like sort of owning up to it can give you that boost of confidence because it's accepting those mistakes as well. You know, those things that don't work out and owning up to them, like with my riding, you know, there would be multiple times where I would make a mistake and I would post that on social media and be like, look, I'm human too. I, I also fucked up. Like things happen. And, you know, and then someone else saying like, oh my God, that also that same thing happened to me. And you get the the shared experience of things that are negative. And that also breeds confidence. So it's not only about doing things that get a positive response. It's about doing things and being sort of real about it and owning it that I find bring, breeds that confidence. I, I couldn't agree more about that. And also something I always talk about with my, my clients is also focus on things that are inside of your control. And when you own your mistakes, you say, look, you know what? It was my fault. But because it's my fault, that means that I can also fix it. That means that exactly. I can make a choice of doing something differently next time. Because if you blame the circumstances or blame your horse or blame other people, then you know what? Then you can't do anything about it. Because Yeah, you can't fix anything that way. No, exactly that. But if you own it up and you say, you know what? There was something inside of here that was my fault, quote unquote. That means that I can also change it. I have the power to change it going forward. And that I think is is gives a lot of confidence because then it's inside of your control. Absolutely. And I think even like with riding, especially, I mean, look, horses 99% of the time want to stand around and eat grass, right? <laughs> we're, if we're riding them, we're telling them what to do. Like 99.9% .9 of the time, it is our fault. And by owning up to those mistakes, it's much easier to then go back and say, like, okay, but I need to do X, Y, and Z next time in order not to have that mistake. Like it's never really their fault. It's never really the course designer's fault or the weather or all these like exterior factors 99% of the time it's my fault on top of the horse for giving them the wrong aid or not being clear enough 
you know, and then they do something that is unwanted, maybe or, und- or not what you were desiring. But on the other hand, that, yeah, it, you have to say to yourself and be honest with yourself and say like, hey, I screwed up. I need to own up to this and therefore I can move forward and then get the confidence from saying like, oh, okay, I can take responsibility for this error. And now I know how to fix it. Or at least I don't, maybe I don't know how, but I'm going to try to figure it out. And then I think that's where the confidence comes from by, by blaming others and saying like, well, the world doesn't like this outfit or the world doesn't like these things. That's not going to bring you anything like, that, that there's no way to move past that other than to get stuck in your own head. And the whole idea of confidence is to get out of your own head and out of that position of being fearful. Mm-hmm. Exactly that. And I love what you say there is like focusing on the things that inside of your control, because I see a lot of writers that get really frustrated and they focus on the wrong things and other people's opinions or what they said or what that person did because that's again that's something that you can't control and focusing all your energy consciously on something that you can't control is going to lead to frustration always because always you simply can't control it right exactly I love that you spoke also about that fear and like sometimes you'd feel the fear of doing something but then moving ahead of sort of pushing against that and doing it anyway and that that also you feel is like providing you with confidence is that right Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think sometimes you need a little sense of fear, right? I I mean, I'm not going to say that there weren't a thousand times that I walked into the ring a little bit fearful. I mean, look, we do a dangerous sport. And as a competitive person, I mean, there's an element of fear that feeds into self-preservation, right? So you want to protect yourself. But there's also that fear that is like the butterflies inside your stomach. And that's a good thing. You want to use that tension. So for me, when I'm a little bit fearful, then I know like, okay, I'm already, I'm on the edge. That means it's good. That means I'm stepping outside of my comfort zone. And that's where that moment of building confidence can come from. Because if you just keep doing everything that you're comfortable with, you're never going to get more confident because you're not actually dealing with any of that fear. And you need a little bit of that fear to have something that pushes the boundaries. And and that's where in riding, when you're a little bit fearful, it's not a bad thing. You want to use that sort of heightened sense of tension to better yourself. Yeah, exactly that. And that's something that you're saying a lot on your website and in your social media as well, that you stand for like being fearless. And I think also in your fashion that you stand a lot for like being fearless. Is, Is that what you mean when you say that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think fearlessness is it's not so much about not being afraid. It's about actually dealing with those fears kind of head on and saying like, even though I am a little bit afraid, even though I know I could get bad, I could get negative backlash, even though I know that this could go poorly and I could screw up. It's about sort of saying, I'm going to take that leap of faith and deal with the fear and sort of use it a little bit to make myself sharper and make myself better. So it's not, fearlessness is not about having zero fear. It's about taking that fear and using it and dealing with it. Because I think that that's where personal growth comes from. And it's also where confidence gets built from. Not allowing the fear to hold you back, but sort of feeling it and doing it anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, we're all fearful. There's a thousand things to be fearful of on a daily basis. And when you're doing a dangerous sport like show jumping or any kind of riding, even if you do it as a hobbyist, there is an element of fear there. So I'm not saying that you should just throw it out the window because like I said, there is a a sense of self-preservation that has to take place, but that fear is something that you can really use and have fun with a little bit, you know, you got to like address it and say like, okay, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to work, but I'm going to try it anyway and, you know, see how it goes. And then you learn one way or another. 
And the, you know, that learning experience, whether you fail or you succeed, will also push you to a new place. And the idea is you want it to keep snowballing. Yeah, absolutely. Like you say, there is a lot of fear. People deal with a lot of fear just in life in general, but I think in particular in equestrian sport. Do you have any tips as to how to deal with this when you feel that fear popping up? It's like I always say, like, dance with your fears, like how you can start to dance with your fears. So I'm a big proponent of like misdirection. I think when it comes to being nervous or fearful, misdirection is a very good, that was always the tool that I sort of use. So if I was particularly nervous about a particular, a Grand Prix or a class or a horse that I didn't think, you know, it could even be a meter 30 class. And I was riding a young horse and I was like, I don't know if this is going to go right. (laughs) You know, is the horse ready or things like that? I always try to use misdirection. So in that, what I mean by that is saying like, Okay, I'm not going to worry about the fears because like it's obvious I am fearful, I'm nervous, like I can feel those butterflies. But I'm going to focus on the things that I can control. So I'm going to go over my course 3 times in my ring. I'm going to ride my course in the warm up and I'm going to think about okay, when I walk into the ring, I'm going to pick up the canter, I'm going to do three transitions before the bell, you know, before the first jump. I'm going to look where I'm going, not where I don't want to go, and like just think of the things that you can control. So use that misdirection away from the fearful things like I remember walking into the arena in Aachen with like whatever it is 40,000 screaming fans and remember just being like don't look up don't look up at all the people what do I gotta do I gotta get to the first jump right I gotta get to the first jump I gotta have my horse out in front of me I gotta do these transitions like and just look where I'm going and I just remember thinking like try to block out the things that are causing the anxiety and the fear and just focus on the things that you actually can control because those are like, and those very like specific tasks. So it's not just like, I want to ride well, because that's what's actually going to bring the fear. It's I need to actually do X, Y, Z in order to have that end result of riding well. I need to have the horse out in front of me. So make sure that I get that done. I need to look where I'm going. Otherwise, I'm going to forget my course. I need to do those three transitions in before the bell so that, you know, or I need to back up before the bell so that I know the horse is, you know, absolutely listening to me. You know, I need to land off of this jump and move up so that I get the six strides done so I can be slowing down. Think about the very specific things in the course that you can control because then the rest of it's going to fade away and the rest of it will happen. It's not, you know, if you get yourself stuck thinking about, you know, all the things that you want to do well and you want to go right, that's when you're going to get yourself crazy. Like, of course, we all want to walk in the ring and it go well, and we all want to win. You know what I mean? Those are the obvious things that are going to cause you stress, but just deal with the misdirection of like, get away from thinking about that and think about what you can control. So that was always my, my way of doing it. It was never, you know, and if I had to go last in a nation's cup and I had to jump clear, it was like, well, in order to do all those things, what do I actually have to do? And then I focused on those things that I actually had to do. And that's where I found a way to sort of overcome a lot of that fear. It's clearly worked out well. (laughs) It worked worked plenty of times. It didn't always work, but it worked most of the time. Or the days that I didn't do that or the days it didn't work. Let's put it that way. That's brilliant. So talking about just like in general, you talk a lot about like make those courageous decisions, go out there, push your comfort zone, be fearless, all those kind of stuff. And this is something that I tell people as well, like do something every day that scares you kind of thing. And do you have any things that people can do in order to do that on a daily basis? 
Sure. Uh, let's see. Where can we start? I Put mean, feathers in look, your hair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Throw a feather in your hair. Why not? I mean, look, fashion is a good place to start because it's, and it doesn't have to be high fashion, no couture kind of stuff. Start with like in the morning you get dressed and I always say to people who are like struggling a little bit with confidence, I'm like, put on one item of clothing, of makeup, of accessory, whatever it is that you wouldn't normally do. Something you've always wanted to wear, something you've always wanted to try out. Just try one thing. You don't have to change your whole look. You don't have to go out. Maybe you don't want You want blue hair, but you're afraid. Try one little like block of hair. You know what I mean? Try something Start small, do one thing when you walk out of the house in the morning that you wouldn't normally do and just try it out. Walk out there and own it and say like, you know that you love it, right? Because you've wanted to try it for a long time. So you already know that it's something that you like. So just in small doses, try in the morning to put on one piece of clothing, one accessory, one whatever it is that is a little bit different, a little bit outside of your comfort zone and start with that. You know, or maybe it's, I've always wanted to learn self-defense. Go take a self-defense class. Do something that you wouldn't normally do. Start small and just see if that gives you a little, even if it's one ounce of confidence and build from there. Don't expect to go from being an introverted, you know, lacking in confidence. And then you do one thing and you're going to change your whole personality in one day. That's not going to happen. But you can start with one small little thing that is outside of your comfort zone and just try it. See if anyone notices. See how you feel. And just kind of build on that and know that when you do that, you're doing something that you've already really loved because you've thought about it forever and you've wanted to. And then just kind of own that and say like, I really like this or I'm going to wear blue eyeliner today because I never did that before. I'm going to put green toenail polish on, whatever it is. Something a little bit different and just try to put yourself out there a little bit more boldly than you normally have and see how that goes and start there. That would be my like first suggestion. That's a brilliant one. And that, that sort of feeds back into like, look what others are doing and do the opposite. Totally. I mean, and if you see everyone else is like, all right, I'm going to wear, you know, whatever I keep seeing on, you know, on down when people walk down the street and it's the same exact thing. Do one thing that's different. Like, all right, when I get dressed in the morning, I always look at my outfit in the mirror and I say, what could I, how could I do this? That's a little bit different than everybody else. You know, how can I do a little bit the opposite? Look, I'm someone who doesn't mind standing out. I, I, I gain confidence from that. When I stand out and I get crazy looks and I get all that, that, that feeds into my personality. Maybe that's not what you necessarily want to do. And maybe it's not about doing something that is, outrageous maybe it's just about doing something that's different than you normally do that's where i think you got to start yeah a hundred percent this is might be a question that you got in a lot of time as well but like i'm guessing that you have had like a lot of comments in a, in a sport as traditional <laughs> as show jumping there must have been a lot of people having a lot of opinions <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> how do you deal with that and also in the sense of like I think that could be really helpful because I feel like so many people are carrying so much of that what are people going to think what are people going to think of my distances and what if I don't get this right and what if I wear that and they, everyone is so busy with what everyone else is thinking so I think any advice that you can give as to how to deal with that would be really helpful 
if you put yourself out there and even if it's, you know, a fraction of how much I put myself out there, you're going to get hate and negative comments. Like it's inevitable. And especially nowadays with social media and people thinking that uh, it's okay to just fucking say anything that they want, regardless of any kind of form of decorum. I mean, decorum went out the door long ago in this society. So you have to just know going into it that you're going to get negative backlash. I mean, I've gone so far as to have negative backlash in the media. I've had the president of the FBI call me personally to ask me to take the feathers out. I mean, I've had it from every angle. I have told, had people tell me that I am ruining the short sport of show jumping, you know, and that I'm like disgracing my horse. So I, I have had it from all angles. My advice is to say, look, know that you're going, going into it. You're going to get that. And you've got to figure out a way to just kind of let it roll off your shoulders because you can't avoid it. You can't stop people from being assholes, right? I mean, people, like I said, these days have, feel like they have a right to say whatever they want. It's very hard to give advice with that because people respond differently to negative behavior, you know, negative comments and things. And I'm not going to say that I'm immune to negative comments. I mean, I have felt terrible from it. I have altered strategy in terms of how I, things I say going forward because of things that people have said. It has made me a bit tighter lipped about certain subjects and it certainly has affected me. So it's not like I'm immune to it. My advice is to say, look, you've got to recognize that like, you just can't do anything about it. You can't get crazy and crawl back into a hole. It comes back to that idea of like, own up to those mistakes. If you make a mistake and you get negative backlash, you got to just own up to it and be like, look, you're right. I didn't anticipate that type of response. I don't necessarily agree with you or, oh my God, you're right. I do agree with you. Thank you for bringing that to light. You know, there, there are many ways to handle it, but to emotionally feel better about it, you got to start with kind of owning those choices. And if you do make a choice that you know beforehand is going to have a very polarizing effect, then just know like you're going to have to back it up and back it up with your honest truth, because that is the only way that you're going to sound authentic and that people are going to say, okay, you're right. You know, and, and use sarcasm. <laughs> That's not always the best suggestion, but honestly, sarcasm goes a long way as far as creating levity in what can be a very like heavy situ- situation. So sometimes sarcasm, you know, can go quite a long way. I mean, I'm a Jew from New York. We like sarcastic. <laughs> What can I say? I grew up with sarcasm. Maybe that's frowned upon, but it certainly does help in creating that levity and levity does relieve tension. Yeah. And I think what you said earlier as well, like there is always going to be people that have opinions, right? You might as well. I mean, you 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 got to just accept that. Yeah, exactly. And if you really genuinely believe in something, then like you should have no issue with backing it up, right? Because you're doing it for a specific reason. You should 100% be able to say like, you're right, there is a difference of opinion here. You don't necessarily have to agree with me, but we can have a conversation about the merits of both sides. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry, you know, we can agree to disagree. I mean, that does, that is something that happens in this world. Not everybody has to agree about everything, but it doesn't need to go down the path of nasty and mean. And my other advice is if you feel something that that is potentially a very polarizing response, deal with it delicately. If you have a comment that you feel you absolutely must make, 
make it with knowing that there's another person on the other side who's going to receive it and have a little sense of common decency for that person as a human with with emotions and feelings. And it doesn't have to just be a full on attack on character. It can just be a difference of opinion. So not only try to take it with a grain of salt, but also, you know, use some decorum in yourself when responding to others if there is a disagreement. Yeah, I love that. I, I always say come from a place of love rather than a place of fear. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, it goes back to that confidence. And again, a lot of times people will make these very hurtful, negative comments because of a place of fear, because they think mm -hmm. they're going to get ridiculed if they don't say that, or they don't agree because they're afraid of the consequences of it. I mean, when you're more confident in yourself, you have much less of that fear. And then usually things are much calmer. Yeah, 100%. A lot of the time, the people that come with really harsh comments are the ones that are quite insecure in themselves. Yeah, so. totally. Yeah, no, I love that. Amazing. I feel like we covered a lot. Is there something that you feel like I definitely want to talk about this? No, anything you want. Like I said, open book. You can ask me anything. Brilliant. I do was wondering, actually, I need to ask you about that. What if, What's up with the barefoot wedding? <laughs> That's such a funny thing because I didn't really think of it as anything other than like... I, it was my wedding day and I was one, we were on a boat. So we actually had to be barefoot, but it was like part of the reason why I wanted to be on a boat was because that it was barefoot. And like, I knew we had to be, but I just figured like, I am such a person who will suffer for fashion. Like I will suffer. I will wear shoes that are too small. I will wear accessories that make no sense. And people step on all the time because I wear like giant trains. And so I always am like uncomfortable to suffer for fashion. And I just thought it's my one day is my wedding day. And I do not want to be uncomfortable. <laughs> so I was like, we are going to be all barefoot and everyone will be comfortable. And it was great. Nobody had to worry about shoes. And everyone nobody was, was complaining. Barefoot. Everyone was barefoot. It was everyone. perfect. It was perfect. It. Yeah. And what, do you like, was that a way of being, you know, doing the opposite or like, Sure. The fear and doing it anyway and yeah absolutely and I had so many people be like but my clothing won't fit I'll be like just pick it up don't worry <laughs> you know <laughs> like I was like you should be so happy and comfortable that you don't have to wear high heels all night and you know it, the whole idea was that we could just be like as casual and comfortable and like lounging around with each other mm -hmm. as friends and not feel like we had to just look perfect at all times and yeah, I think it was like, that's what traditional weddings, you always have high heels and you got to match the shoes. And I was like, one less thing I got to deal with <laughs> much better. Mm -hmm. So it was for me, it was doing the opposite. And I and I yeah. loved it. You really own that. Like yeah. doing the opposite <laughs> in everything. Yeah. And I think the Absolutely. more people can do that. Like we all strive to be like everyone else, but we just end up being invisible. Yeah, that's 100% what happens. And I think when you try to when you do put yourself out there, it is so much about like going against the grain. And, and it doesn't have to be in a negative, hurtful way to other people. Like I don't do anything that I think is necessarily hurtful to others. I, I do it because it makes me feel good. And I like doing the opposite. I think that owning your own personal identity and individuality is so empowering as an individual, you feel so much better about yourself, you make better choices. And, uh, you know, for me, doing the opposite is not feeling like I'm a sheep in, you know, in the herd. It's exactly. very much like, yeah, I, I want to feel like a unique individual in the masses of people. I love that. I know. I obviously know you've, you've stopped writing. Or I don't know if you stopped writing completely, but you've stopped competing anyway. So what was the reason you stopped? 
so many reasons. <laughs> um, and actually, I rode yesterday. I went on a riding vacation to Ireland last week as well. All I can tell you is every ounce of me hurts so much. <laughs> like, like my muscles, my back, my legs, like my inner thighs, like literally from my toes to my fingers and to my neck and my head, everything hurts. So if you stop riding and then you try to get back into it, Just then you realize how much of a sport yeah. it actually is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It is. Uh, it is so physical. You have no idea. But okay, why did I stop riding? A lot of reasons. I think the primary one being that I had just gotten to a place. I one, I had felt like I had done it for thirty years. I'd been riding for thirty years. I'd gotten all the way to the Olympics. It. I had accomplished a lot of goals. I was at the top of the sport. I felt like my brain wasn't being stimulated in the way I wanted. I had lost a little bit of that spark and that passion and desire. And I, I had gotten a little bit disillusioned with the sport. It, there were, a, I experienced a lot of things over the last year before I stopped riding that I, I didn't like so much anymore. I, I found the sport to sometimes, yeah, when we were, I was at some big competitions, I kept thinking like, is this really merit-based anymore? And there was a lot of things about the sport that, I didn't like, I was at a place, I didn't have really a top horse at the time, or my top horse had been hurt from Tokyo. And I just, I was doing it at a lower level and I was wanting to do it at a higher level, but I wasn't seeing a good path forward. Paths that I did see weren't ones that seemed fulfilling or what I wanted to do for the next 30 years of my life. And I, I just felt like there were, I was being pulled in a lot of different directions and I wanted to explore those things that I hadn't ever explored, right? I had ridden since the age of eight, I had basically done it as a professional since I was a teenager and it's all I ever did for 30 years. And I felt like my brain was like, I don't know, I was like missing something. And then I was in the South of France and I was riding these wild horses in the Camargue. And I remember like galloping into this like herd of horses and feeling so much joy about being around the horses and the animals. And then two days later, I went to a horse show in San Tropez, like an hour and a half away. And I was riding around the warm-up arena. And I was like, this is not the same kind of joy that I should be feeling. And it just, it there was like a moment where I just saw a different path in life. And I thought, the horses are always here. I can always come back to it. I'm never going to stop loving the animals. I'm never going to stop really having a, a love of, a, and a competitive nature for the sport. And my husband, we still own like 600 horses. It wasn't like I was ever going to be really out of it, but it just, I saw a different path in life. And I thought I owed it to myself to try to use my brain in a different way. And I started reading a lot of books and learning a lot about a lot of different topics. And I just thought, let me try a different path and see if I can do something different for the next 30 years. It was a real like epiphany moment where I just was like, I, I want to try something else. I've done a lot in this and it's not bringing me joy. It was causing like cloudiness in, in my focus and I couldn't find the focus. And it wasn't just a month or two months or three months. It was over a year of like struggling to feel that direction. And then all of a sudden I, I felt direction in another way. And I thought, I'm going to try it. I'm going to take it. And I can always go back to the sport, right? I mean, we're sports always around. <laughs> it's not going anywhere. Absolutely. So that was a little bit the story of why that happened. Yeah. So it's it's basically like you just felt like that. Well, I can imagine if you're like riding at the level that you were riding, there's not so much other things that you can actually be doing because everything no, goes. You can't do anything. The, yeah. So just being called to try other things in life. So what what's going on at the moment? 
<laughs> well, one, it's a little bit of a secret because it's a big project that I've been okay. working on. And two, it took me a very long time to find that direction. And like, mm -hmm. I still am in the process of kind of iterating and narrowing down exactly what that is. And I spent the first probably six weeks after I stopped writing, just being like, Ooh, I'm free. And I spent a lot of time just reading and trying to educate myself on topics that I didn't know enough about. Um, and then I spent basically the last like nine months or so, nine, 10 months, just trying to find that direction. And, you know, I, everyone always like, well, of course you're going to go into fashion. Right. And it's funny. That's the one thing that as much as I have a passion and I love fashion, it's not necessarily an industry that I want to go into. I did the apparel line for the riding clothes, which I very much enjoyed doing. And now, you know, I like doing accessories. I did a jewelry launch, which was very successful. We're even going to do it again. So there are some small elements of fashion that of course will always be a part of my life. And I like to do that. But it's more in the direction of meaningful content creation, let's say. So that that's what I've been sort of working on. And it's the, we'll see what's coming, but it's it's certainly a big project in the works. So it's something with, not with horses, not with the jewelry, not with the... It's, it's somehow all connected, let's say that. It's all a little bit connected, but it's, uh, yeah. I can't like it's still like in the process of being formed and uh, sort of putting the team together to to make it happen, but it's it's happening. So, so when, when are we gonna find out? I don't know. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> I keep asking that question so too. Like, when is this gonna like actually happen? Yeah. But uh, hopefully, in the next year or so, it'll come out, and you'll we'll we'll see what it is. But uh, it's a big process because it's a it's a much larger endeavor than just a simple little thing of, you know, the jewelry line, will I'll, that next collection will come out and stuff like that. But that's all kind of secondary to the primary thing that I'm working on. <laughs> no, no, I'm very curious about it. So, <laughs> so, so where, where can we find out? I guess it's all going to be all over your Instagram once it's there. Eventually, eventually it'll be everywhere and then you'll see. Yeah. Right now, right now, that's all I can say. How about that? Okay. <laughs> So uh, how when people want to follow your journey, I find you so inspiring. And and uh, I know you haven't been posting as much as you maybe did no, while you I were doing in the horses. But like if you want your like daily doses of uh, of Danny, where can you where can you tag along? Yeah, follow me on, on Instagram at Danny Starwind. That's D-A-N-I-S-T-A-R-W-Y-N. Or my website, which is dannygeoquestrian.com. Amazing. And the jewelry, where can people get that? Jewelry line is available actually worldwide online at karinabrez.com and it's K-A-R-I-N-A-B-R-E-Z.com and uh, you can order bespoke pieces or uh, we have pieces from the collection that are available for purchase but you can buy them worldwide and uh, as well as on the Instagram accounts and you can follow them there as well. The Equestrian Apparel is actually still available on Eurostar Equestrian. Mm -hmm. um at their website so you can go there and uh those items are available for purchase also worldwide and my other fashion stuff which may or may not come out at one point <laughs> will i will keep you posted on my socials yeah amazing so for everyone who wants to take that little bit step towards like being bolder and really putting themselves out there and uh, those are the items that they can get i love that absolutely Amazing. Thank you so, so much, Danny. This has been amazing. As I said, I find you so, so inspiring. And I, I think for so many people, they need to be more like you. I, I think this world would be a much better place if everyone was a little bit more like you, um, daring to do oh. their own thing. 
Thank you. That's really kind of you to say. Thanks. Mm -hmm. <laughs>